each of us. It's that our parents, in their own ignorance and misunderstanding, have not been able to hold us, love us, care for us in the ways that we've needed. And that this has happened for generations upon generations upon generations. The brokenheartedness and the ways that that is defended is something that each of us has inherited. Mm-hmm. That brokenheartedness gets to be expressed culturally as racism or sexism or homophobia or ableism, where the integrity of ourselves as human beings isn't being acknowledged and something that was violated continues to be violated. Acknowledging the ways that our fabric has been torn, just that, feels like an incredible journey. And I want to acknowledge that in the same ways that Eric acknowledged how long his journey has been, that just to find the strength of heart to acknowledge how torn the fabric of my being has been, to find the strength to do that, has also taken me a tremendously long time. So when I and we talk about turning towards what is difficult, I want to acknowledge how dissociation, addiction, resistance, hatred, anger have all been the tools that have been awakened inside of me because I have that capacity as you do because that's what was given to us as well by this culture that those tools have played a part in my and our survival. That not knowing anything different I hated That was one of the things I did growing up. I hated, and I hated virulently. And that hatred blanketed. People I went to school with, school teachers, the police, it, it covered all kinds of different experiences. I hated myself. That was another defense, and that was virulent as well. And I'm saying this because I have a great reverence and respect for those defenses. I feel like in some way they helped me to survive. Mm 
and that they deserve our respect for keeping us alive. And, and we're acknowledging the three of us with you that when our hearts are suffused with these energies, there is such a deep pain of separation, of alienation and of loneliness, that while those defenses have kept us alive, they have also shut us down, which means that that deep yearning to love and to be vulnerable, to feel connected and at home in our bodies, in our minds, in our lives, is so far away that sometimes the, 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 um, that, that uh, you talked about Camus, the Sartre play that uh, I, I saw that really impacted me of these three people in a white room and each person loves the other one and that there's no capacity to break that sense of not being able to connect and open. Having believed my hatred and the stories of my hatred for so long, it has been extraordinarily helpful for me to go back to the teachings and to see that while they have played a role, there is nothing truthful about their stories. And the Buddha is so clear about this. He says that any energy or thought that isn't kind and present is not true. If the energy has anger or fear, if the thought and feeling are filled with doubt or, or anxiety or um, uh, jealousy or addiction, compulsion, desire, then how we are seeing things aren't true. And we know that. We know that because when someone turns towards us and doesn't see us with caring, we know they are not seeing who we really are. There's something inside of us that rebels against that, right? Even if we partly get seduced by it, there's another part that rebels, and that's what revolutionary movements are about. Wait, you're not seeing my dignity and humanity. That is unjust and unjust. The Buddhists would say it's not wise and it's not liberating. And so the first inquiry for me around magnificent consent is what are the qualities in my mind? What are the qualities and energies in my mind? Is there friendliness? That's my bottom line. Is there friendliness? Because if there isn't, how I'm seeing it isn't true. 
I can't tell you, given I have the history of hatred, how many times I believe my thoughts until I bring that to the thought. And then it's like, oh, it feels so true, but I really trust. I really trust this guideline and the Buddha's teaching. It isn't true. So the classic example of a small example I give is I live in a household. There are three young people under, under 26. And I often come into the kitchen and it isn't clean. And I'm like, what is the matter with them? You know, we have the house agreement. What? And I just see, I feel so justified. The kitchen is dirty. But how can I see it? differently because how I'm seeing it isn't true. And it's amazing if I can challenge the storyline. What happens is that I realize I had lost their humanity in my irritation. And that as I drop the storyline and I feel my feelings of irritation, I see it touches my old wound of not feeling seen and visible. That they're not cleaning the kitchen, which is, you know, their thing. But what is really going on? And if, if I can turn towards that place, not necessarily, oh, I'm going to heal, but I want you to know I want to. I want you to know I want to turn towards this place of feeling invisible arena and companion you. I see you. And it's okay you're here. I understand it. It makes sense that this is one of the core places where I get triggered. It's okay. And in that connection in friendship, comes the possibility to connect to them in friendship. Oh, here is my thing. Their thing. I don't know what it is yet, but it's okay because I feel I can talk to them in that connection of friendship. In that environment comes what we call consent. This is how it is. And I feel friendly. So for me, being someone who has hated so much, my particular antidote is kindness and love. Can I call on the capacity that all of us have as human beings? And I call on you sometimes. Those in the, the, the people I've sit with and practice with, my teachers, the lineage, the great spirits. I call on that capacity of love that it might awaken inside of myself and hold what has been torn to help repair it. Sometimes I can do intend and then touch just for a moment that place and then I have to 
go to hearing and seeing. I have to ground because sometimes, not so much anymore, but it used to be the pain was so intense, my mind would just split the scene. And so it's not like we can turn all the time and just stay there. Sometimes we turn and we have to say, just a touch is enough for now. Just a touch. Sometimes there's the capacity to stay longer. So I would, I'd want to go for my time. So I just a few more minutes. So I... Um, bought a ticket. I'm teaching in Vancouver next month and I bought a ticket and I bought it early to see my sisters and my family has had a lot of trauma so I've been really working my relationship with my sisters. I called one of my sisters and said, can I stay? I actually texted her and can I stay with you? And she texted me back. This is not last night, the night before. It's very personal. She texted me back. I'm having, I, I'm having some stuff come up and I can't spend that much time with you. It was two days. And I had no idea that that was what was going on. And I felt like reading that text that someone had punched me in the stomach. I felt so shocked and just like shocked and then hurt. And in that moment, I, I could say to myself, it's okay, it's okay, I love you. And open to the feeling of shock, this is how it feels, it's kind of like someone's punched me, like my breath is short and this is kind of like... Um, tense and contracted. I watched myself rehearsing, going into the thinking, doing revenge, you know, revenge, hatred, that's my default, what I was going to text back to her. <laughs> I would drop the thinking, I would come back, I would come to the intention, I want you to know I want to hold you. And then there would be a moment of being able to hold it. And then I would go to sounds, I would go to my altar, I would look at my altar. And over the next hour, lying on my bed, and in a way, lucky for me, it was like at 11 p.m. And so I was alone, I didn't have another meeting to go to or something. I could hold the process. I knew, because of my commitment not to go to the unskillful, I knew I should not text her back. <laughs> By the next day, as I had consented to, I am in another cycle with my family. And we have gone through so many, and really I thought it was the end. But it wasn't. And so I texted her, Dear sis, I know what it's like, I do, to go through stuff. Is there any way I can support you? And she texted me back, thanks. 